Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowded, lamplit church gave an audible sigh of relief and scarcely waited for the hymn and benediction before crowding out to purer air. Emily, caught in the current, and parted from Aunt Laura, was swept out by way of the choir door to the left of the pulpit. It was some time before she could disentangle herself from the throng and hurry around to the front where she expected to meet Ilsa. Here was another dense, though rapidly thinning crowd, in which she found no trace of Ilsa, Suddenly Emily noticed that she did not have her hymn-book. Hastily she dashed back to the choir door. She must have left her hymn-book in the pew, and it would never do to leave it there. In it she had placed for safekeeping a slip of paper on which she had furtively jotted down some fragmentary notes during the last hymn, a rather biting description of scrawny Miss Potter in the choir a couple of satiric sentences regarding Mr. Sampson himself, and a few random fancies which he desired most of all to hide, because there was in them something of dream and vision, which would have made the reading of them by alien eyes a sacrilege. Old Jacob Banks, the sexton, a little blind and more than a little deaf, was turning out the lamps as she went in. He had reached the two on the wall behind the pulpit. Emily caught her hymn-book from the rack. Her slip of paper was not in it. By the faint gleam of light, as Jacob Banks turned out the last lamp, she saw it on the floor, under the seat of the pew in front. She kneeled down and reached after it. As she did so, Jacob went out and locked the choir door. Emily did not notice his going. The church was still faintly illuminated by the moon that as yet outrode the rapidly climbing thunderheads. That was not the right slip of paper after all. Where could it be? Oh, here, at last. She caught it up and ran to the door which would not open. For the first time, Emily realized that Jacob Banks had gone, that she was alone in the church. She wasted time trying to open the door, then in calling Mr. Banks. Finally, she ran down the aisle into the front porch. As she did so, she heard the last buggy turn grindingly at the gate and drive away. At the same time, the moon was suddenly swallowed up by the black clouds, and the church was engulfed in darkness. Close, hot, smothering, almost tangible darkness. Emily screamed in sudden panic, beat on the door, frantically twisted the handle, screamed again. Oh, everybody could not have gone! Surely somebody would hear her. Aunt Laura, 
Cousin Jimmy, Ilsa. Then finally, in a wail of despair, Oh, Teddy, Teddy! A blue-white stream of lightning swept the porch, followed by a crash of thunder. One of the worst storms in Blairwater Annals had begun, and Emily Starr was locked alone in the dark church in the Maple Woods. She, who had always been afraid of thunderstorms, with a reasonless, instinctive fear which she could never banish and only partially control. She sank, quivering, on a step of the gallery stairs, and huddled there in a heap. Surely someone would come back when it was discovered she was missing. But would it be discovered? Who would miss her? Aunt Laura and Cousin Jimmy would suppose she was with Ilsa, as had been arranged. Ilsa, who had evidently gone, believing that Emily was not coming with her, would suppose she had gone home to New Moon. Nobody knew where she was. Nobody would come back for her. She must stay here in this horrible, lonely, black, echoing place, for now the church she knew so well and loved for its old associations of Sunday school and song and homely faces of dear friends had become a ghostly, alien place, full of haunting terrors. There was no escape. The windows could not be opened. The church was ventilated by transom-like panes near the top of them, which were opened and shut by pulling a wire. She could not get up to them, and she could not have got through them if she had. She cowered down on the step, shuddering from head to foot. By now the thunder and lightning were almost incessant. Rain blew against the windows, not in drops, but sheets, and intermittent volleys of hail bombarded them. The wind had risen suddenly with the storm and shrieked around the church. It was not her old dear friend of childhood, the bat-winged, misty wind-woman, but a legion of yelling witches. The prince of the power of the air rules the wind, she had heard mad Mr. Morrison say once. Why should she think of mad Mr. Morrison now? How the windows rattled as if demon riders of the storm were shaking them. She had heard a wild tale of someone hearing the organ play in the empty church one night several years ago. Suppose it began playing now. No fancy seemed too grotesque or horrible to come true. Didn't the stairs creak? The blackness between the lightnings was so intense that it looked thick. Emily was frightened of it touching her and buried her face in her lap. Presently, however, she got a grip on herself and began to reflect that she was not living up to Murray traditions. Murray's were not supposed to go to pieces like this. Murray's were not foolishly panicky in thunderstorms. Those old Murray's sleeping in the private graveyard across the pond would have scorned her as a degenerate descendant. Aunt Elizabeth would have said that it was the star coming out in her. She must be brave, after all. She had lived through worse hours than this. The night she had eaten of Lofty John's poison apple— the afternoon she had fallen over the rocks of Malvern Bay. This had come so suddenly on her that she had been in the throes of terror before she could brace herself against it. She must pick up. Nothing dreadful was going to happen to her, nothing worse than staying all night in the church. In the morning she could attract the attention of someone passing. 
She had been here over an hour now, and nothing had happened to her, unless indeed her hair had turned white, as she understood hair sometimes did. There had been such a funny, crinkly, crawly feeling at the roots of it at times. Emily held out her long braid, ready for the next flash. When it came, she saw that her hair was still black. She sighed with relief and began to chirk up. The storm was passing. The thunder peals were growing fainter and fewer, though the rain continued to fall and the wind to drive and shriek around the church, whining through the big keyhole eerily. Emily straightened her shoulders and cautiously let down her feet to a lower step. She thought she had better tried to get back into the church. If another cloud came up, the steeple might be struck. Steeples were always getting struck, she remembered. It might come crashing down on the porch right over her. She would go in and sit down in the Murray pew. She would be cool and sensible and collected. She was ashamed of her panic. But it had been terrible. All around her now was a soft, heavy darkness, still with that same eerie sensation of something you could touch, born perhaps of the heat and humidity of the July night. The porch was so small and narrow, she would not feel so smothered and oppressed in the church. She put out her hand to grasp a stair rail and pull herself to her cramped feet. Her hand touched, not the stair rail, merciful heavens, what was it? Something hairy. Emily's shriek of horror froze on her lips. Padding footsteps passed down the stairs beside her. A flash of lightning came, and at the bottom of the steps was a huge black dog, which had turned and was looking up at her before he was blotted out in the returning darkness. Even then, for a moment, she saw his eyes blazing redly at her, like a fiend's. Emily's hair roots began to crawl and crinkle again. A very large, very cold caterpillar began to creep slowly up her spine. She could not have moved a muscle had life depended on it. She could not even cry out. The only thing she could think of at first was the horrible demon hound of the Manx castle in Peveril of the Peak. For a few minutes, her terror was so great that it turned her physically sick. Then, with an effort that was unchildlike in its determination, I think it was at that moment Emily wholly ceased to be a child. She recovered her self-control. She would not yield to fear. She set her teeth and clenched her trembling hands. She would be brave, sensible. That was only a commonplace Blair water dog which had followed its owner, some rapscallion boy, into the gallery, and got itself left behind. The thing had happened before. A flash of lightning showed her that the porch was empty. Evidently, the dog had gone into the church. Emily decided that she would stay where she was. She had recovered from her panic, but she did not want to feel the sudden touch of a cold nose or a hairy flank in the darkness. She could never forget the awfulness of the moment when she had touched the creature. It must be all of twelve o'clock now. It had been ten when the meeting came out. The noise of the storm had for the most part died away. The drive and shriek of the wind came occasionally, but between its gusts there was a silence, broken only by the diminishing raindrops. 
Thunder still muttered faintly, and lightning came at frequent intervals, but of a paler, gentler flame, not the rending glare that had seemed to wrap the very building in intolerable blue radiance and scorch her eyes. Gradually her heart began to beat normally. The power of rational thought returned. She did not like her predicament, but she began to find dramatic possibilities in it. Oh, what a chapter for her diary, or her jimmy book, and beyond it, for that novel she would write some day. It was a situation expressly shaped for the heroine, who must, of course, be rescued by the hero. Emily began constructing the scene, adding to it, intensifying it, hunting for words to express it. This was rather interesting, after all. Only, she wished she knew just where the dog was. How weirdly the pale lightning gleamed on the gravestones, which she could see through the porch window opposite her. How strange the familiar valley beyond looked in the recurrent illuminations. How the wind moaned and sighed and complained. But it was her own wind-woman again. The wind-woman was one of her childish fancies that she had carried over into maturity, and it comforted her now, with a sense of ancient companionship. The wild riders of the storm were gone. Her fairy friend had come back. Emily gave a sigh that was almost of contentment. The worst was over. And really, hadn't she behaved pretty well? She began to feel quite self-respecting again. All at once, Emily knew she was not alone. How she knew it, she could not have told. She had heard nothing, seen nothing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 